welcome to Event Experience by Bizbo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Claviva Gordon-Bennett, Senior Editorial Content Manager here at Bizbo. This week, we're excited to share Kelly Hoey's powerful insight about rethinking attending networking to make meaningful connections. Kelly Hoey is a networking expert and the author of the book, Build Your Dream Network, forging powerful relationships in a hyper-connected world. In this episode, Kelly will explain what hybrid networking is, why it's important to understand someone's networking preferences, and how event organizers can help attendees build authentic relationships. This episode is based on a session from Bizabo's Event Experience Summit, our flagship event for event professionals. You can check the show notes for a link to watch on-demand sessions from our most recent summit. And now, over to Kelly. Now let's dive into rethinking networking. Uh, Here's what we're going to be doing in our time that we have together. I'm going to let you know why I think your work right now is more critical and crucial than ever before. I'm going to let you know what I tell the attendees, and you're kind of wearing two hats today. You are becoming event experience leaders, and you're an attendee at the moment. So I'm going to tell you the advice that I give of um, people who are really wondering what they're going to do when they attend an event. And then I've got some suggestions for you. So let's start at the top. I think there's only one type of an event. You may be thinking you're planning an online or remote or hybrid or in-person event. In my mind, there's only one type of event, and it's an event that builds connections, creates networks, and engages the audience. So yeah, attendees may say they attend for the content, but what have we seen? We can get content in a variety of places. Content may attract us, but community causes us to return. It makes us rabid fans of those events and those brands and those sponsors. So this is why building community is the core for me of an event. Now, why do I say it's crucial and more crucial than ever before? Two simple reasons. Our networks have shrunk. Two, I'd like you to disrupt the notion that we were getting it right before. On network shrinkage, think about your own network. Does it feel a little smaller after the last 24, excuse me, 24 months? Does it feel a little bit like it doesn't have as much breadth and depth as it did before? Well, guess what? You're not alone. According to a Yale study, on average, our networks shrunk by 16%. That's on average. Sorry, guys, your network shrunk by mm, about 30%. And it wasn't evenly distributed, not necessarily between the genders, but within the structure of our network. The network structure that shrunk was our acquaintance and casual connections. Who are those people? Well, in my mind, they're likely the people we connect with at events. They're your alumni. They're your coworkers in another office or another 
department or another functional area. They're the friends of friends. They're the former colleagues. They're people in your industry or adjacent industries. They're your peers within the same industry. Those are our acquaintance and casual connections. And that is the portion of our network that has shrunk. And why are events more important than ever for bringing people together? According to PwC and a survey they conducted, 72% of employees want to work in a hybrid fashion. That means we're not, you know, at the office on the same days and the same time and creating those collisions and collaboration points, like the, the multitude of opportunities we had for those before. And 32% in that same survey, they want to work from home. So whether you're planning an industry event or an offsite or a team meeting, think about all the people who were hired in a virtual world and they've never met their colleagues other than on a Slack channel or a Zoom. Your events to bring them together are now critical for creating that collaboration. Why else is this critical? Well, can we, I would really, I would love, like, can we cut the crap that we used to do networking well before the, you know, 2020 hit us? Because we didn't. There's a really fun piece of research from 2014 where they primed participants to think about professional networking before they did, it looks like a networking kind of wordle, you know? Like if you've got a piece of paper in front of you right now, Write down the letter S, write down the letter O, leave a blank space, put in a letter P, okay? So when they primed the participants in this study to think about professional networking, guess what happened when they went in to do the little, you know, fill in the blank networking wordle and product association? They subliminally craved cleaning products. We think networking is dirty. We think of it as this icky, smarmy thing when we have to go out and do professional networking, which we're associating with what? I don't know, meeting strangers. In my own very unscientific network poll, 38%, the majority of the people answering the poll, when I asked them how do you think about professional? How are you feeling about professional networking? Number one answer at 38% was anxious. And 16% said they felt inauthentic. You got to keep that in mind as those may be the people stepping into your event that you're designing for. So what do I tell them? Because yes, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked the question, Kelly, how do I network at conferences and events? Well, I still would be sitting here, but you know, I, I would be worth a lot more regardless of where the stock market is. But here's the deal. Here is what I tell event attendees. First thing I say to them about networking at conferences and events, I said, it starts before you register. This is an opportunity for you to talk to other people about that conference or event. This is a chance to check in with a mentor. This is a chance to ask colleagues. This is a chance to ask about your career, 
your life, your ambition, whatever it is, and get feedback and suggestions on whether or not this event, this community, this content is going to take your career forward. So I said to them, it starts even before you hit, you know, register. So before you get in the room for the event, you're networking or you have a chance to network. Then I tell them, right, once you've registered, how can you start talking to other people about the fact that you're going? This may be through, I don't know, your Slack channel at work or what you're posting on LinkedIn. How you engage with people before an event and what you learn about an event before you attend can affect your whole strategy of what you do once you're in the room. My big takeaway for people when they're in a room, like a conference or an event, and they are there to network, you know, we, we, we worry so much about what we're going to say. I'm like, how are you watching and listening and observing? You're going to find the connections you need. You're going to find people you want to talk to. You're going to ask better questions. You're not going to need to worry about a list of icebreakers or an elevator pitch if you're present. And you can do that and create that presence and that authenticity for yourself if you're watching, listening, and observing. And then I say to them, your networking doesn't end just because of the closing keynote. Sorry, spoiler alert, it doesn't end then. What are you doing after the event? How are you sharing this information? How are you following up with people? Maybe someone was asking a great question. Maybe the, the five minutes and five suggestions, you thought of something else you wanted to know. The networking and advanced experience or, or any other summit or conference or event doesn't end at the close. How can you follow up and follow through with people? How do you let them know that you were listening and you were interested in what they had to say? How can you say, I didn't have a chance to ask this question. Can I know this now? Or can you say, you know what? You were asking really great questions in that round table. I'd like to follow up and get to know you better. It'd be great to have another peer in the industry who's struggling with the same things I am. So it doesn't end there. When I was thinking about what I wanted to say to you today, I um, recalled a number of years ago speaking at the Women in Tech Summit in uh, Philadelphia, and it's a conference I've spoken at a number of times. And this one year, a young woman came up to me and she was, <sighs> to say she was like, Rah! you know, uh, about her attendance. She says, Kelly, what do I got to do? Um, um, I, I came here, my company was reluctant, and this has been so valuable, and I really want, and I said, let's breathe. Let's calm down a little bit first. You want your company to see the value of your attendance. And you want the company to see the value of sending more people next year. I said, what are you doing after the event? And she looked at me very blankly. I said, here's some ideas. And these are ideas, as I said, right now I'm telling you about what I tell attendees. This is as much for you as, you, as when I get to suggestions as you thinking, what's the advice that they could be putting into play? So I said to this young woman, when you go back to your company, why don't you have a lunch and learn with the other women and let them know what you learned? Why don't you let the powers that be know what skills that you gained at this particular event that you're putting into work? Why don't you circulate a memo to everyone who was a decision maker outlining 
the value and your takeaways. There's just some ideas. You know, you think about it and do what you got to do. So imagine my delight and surprise where she actually followed up with me. I love it when people follow up. Number one networking mistake is the failure to follow up. She follows up with me and she tells me, thank you. Here's what I did. And guess what? Next year, my company isn't reluctantly sending one employee to this event. They're sending 25. So the follow-up personally and professionally was good for her and, dare I say, the conference as well. So there's the first thing I say to people who ask me about networking and how to network an event. It starts before and it continues after. The next thing I say to them is, in real life is digital. Be amphibious. How you behave online should be no different than who you are in person. These are not two separate things. There is a multitude of touch points and networking opportunities to meet people. This week, I had the joy of connecting with my friend, Dr. Sue Black. Uh, if you've read the book, or maybe you haven't heard, maybe you've heard of Bletchley Park. It's where uh, the code breakers were in World War II. Um, Sue wrote the book, Saving Bletchley Park, because she used social media to save it. Anyway, Sue and I met because of Twitter and then connected because of a hackathon. And thanks to WhatsApp, um, Signal, social media, you know, all these years later, I have a great friend who was here for meetings and I got to see her in person. So if we hadn't been who we are online, would I say that I have this bestie who all these years later, the majority of our I want to say our conversation and connection is digital. So digital is in real life. Use digital tools in a human way. And on that, I have to add one of my biggest pet peeves. Would you introduce yourself to the first time with someone? If you stuck out your hand, would you say, here's my LinkedIn URL? No, you wouldn't. So why do people do that in chats? you know, on Zoom or anywhere else. Drives me crazy. Act like a human being in digital spaces. So that's my advice when I'm telling people who are thinking about how do they network at conferences and events that will have either fully digital, fully virtual, or they may have, a, you know, a digital component because who's not tweeting and texting and doing all the rest of that when we're at an event? I'll be honest, I think this is kind of good advice. It's helped a lot of people. But I realized in preparing for today, my advice has a gap in it. And that's you. I can give all the advice in the world to attendees, but if my events experience leaders aren't also innovating, there's only so much those anxious, uncertain, confused, you know, event attendees. There's only so much that they can do for themselves. So my suggestions for you. First off, tell me about your audience. And I don't mean tell me about them like, oh, yeah, Kelly, they're you know, engineers of five to seven years experience and they're moving into management. So no, no, no. What's in their heads right here, right now in terms of their concerns? Carnegie Hall, 
bless them, sent me a audience outlook monitor. I think that's a fancy word for a survey because it did get me to open the email and check it out. They sent out an audience outlook monitor where they asked me questions like, have I dined indoors? And a little play on the question, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? They asked me if I'd ridden the subway, taken a bus, a cab, how had I moved around in the world? They did ask me about health and safety protocols, but they also asked, when's the last, what was the last event you went to? And when did you buy the tickets? Did you buy them months in advance, Kelly? Or was it hours in advance? How was I making decisions on when to be in an enclosed space? They also had a question that inquired, is there any other reason that may cause you to hesitate to be here? Maybe it's the health and well-being of a loved one. Maybe it's the cost. Who knows? But understand what's going on in the head of your audience and design around it. So there was number one in terms of one of my suggestions for you. The next thing I would say is, because I've already shared, people feel <laughs> very dirty, anxious, and inauthentic when they think about networking. So how can you make them relax? How can you make them feel that they're in the right place? And in coming up with these suggestions, I remembered a road trip I took from Dollywood to Graceland. Okay, it was a bit unforgettable. It's hard to shake it out of my mind. Uh, went with three Australians. So yeah, Mario, I'm looking for the punchline. Three, three Australians and a Canadian go on a road trip. So there's gotta be a joke in there somewhere and you know, I'm, I'm gonna wait for you to come up for it. So let's start with Graceland. You know, if we were all in the same room, I'd ask you a show of hands, who's been to Graceland? All the employees at Graceland wear a lanyard with their employee ID and their picture and their name. I was fortunate enough to have someone whose name tag, name lanyard was flipped the wrong way so I could see the backside of it. There was clear instructions on when to smile, when to make eye contact, and when to say, welcome to Graceland. May seem really simple, but think about how someone, when they land on site, whether on site for you is digital, virtual, or in real life, when are you making eye contact? When are you smiling? When are you letting them know that you're glad they're there and that they're in the right place? The anxiety of, am I in the right line? Am I moving towards the right Conference room, is this the right breakout? Where should I be? That idea of the eye contact, smile, you're in the right place, amazing. Let's go back to Eastern Tennessee and Dollywood. If you are an employee at Dollywood, representing, dare I say, a national treasure, what do you do? Will you act like an ambassador? I think every employee on Dollywood, in Dollywood probably asks themselves, what would Dolly do? Everyone is an ambassador and a concierge. Everyone has a suggestion. Everyone has an, is curious about who you are, where you've come from, have you seen, have you tried? 
Have you ridden every single roller coaster on Dollywood? Yes, I have. It's amazing to experience and it is simple to install that kind of focus of every piece and touch point your audience has with your event. Because what you want to do is reduce those anxieties. You want them to feel at ease so they feel authentic, so that they are present, so that they will connect with other people, as opposed to worrying about whether or not they are in the right place. So Dollywood and Graceland, but you didn't expect that in a networking keynote, but there you go. Um, what else do I tell them? I tell them to get their digital footprint in line. And I think you should think about ensuring that your digital footprint is in line as well. So that what is online and how everyone is behaving with respect to your event is also there and available to connect before people, attendees arrive at your event. That's really critical. My other suggestion, and I got two more suggestion, think about how people move within your space. How are you directed? How are you guided between sessions? Wherever the venue is. Are you creating point, places and points for people to have collisions and collaborations? Are there breakout rooms? Are there smaller sessions? Where's the concession stand? Where do you have your trade show, your vendors? Are there places where you can enable people to have that happenstance and serendipity that they can talk to each other? Create that for them. Find places to make it happen. I think of airports now, you know, cast your mind back if you haven't jumped on a plane. You know, the way they make us walk and walk and walk to get, you know, the luggage carousel. They got to give the guys getting it off the plane a little more time to haul it out of there. So you got to walk by things. And so maybe you decide you're going to go to the bathroom and maybe you decide you're going to get another magazine and maybe you pick up a water. Think about the meandering and natural places where people can gather and talk. And no, we do not gather and talk at charging stations for our phones. Create mentoring tables. As I said, concession stands, your vendors, your sponsors, create places where people can gather and talk and build these connections. It's really important. And if they're all just standing around, find them an activity to do that can engage people with each other and with you. Now, I know I said back at the beginning that content, you know, well, let's say audience is queen, content is king. Um, content is important in terms of building your network at events. Here's why. Some early research is showing that when we need to expand the selection of ideas, when we need to expand innovation, ideation, when we need more creativity, we need to meet in person. We network with more than our mouths. We use all of our senses. We need to read body language. We need to get, you know, see who's, I want to say, thinking different ways. We need to bring different people to the table. 
research is showing, early research is showing as a result of the pandemic that that type of content needs to be delivered in person. If you're focusing on one idea, if you're focusing on one choice after you've had a brainstorming session, maybe you've had a team offsite and now you're brainstorming, you've done the brainstorming, you've come up with one solution, that activity can be done online and, and works very well virtually. So your content and how you deliver it plays into the ability for your attendees to build networks. Continue the conversation. What you're doing is really critical, and I'm not, I can't stress it enough. The events you plan may be the major way that we rebuild our networks and increase our ability to collaborate. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being a part of Event Experience. And thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please connect with us on social media, share the show with your colleagues and friends, and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. On behalf of the team, thank you. We'll be back next time with a new episode of Event Experience and can't wait for you to join us.